You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of our Hawk Talk podcast. So excited to bring you uh, this new project with the Monmouth University Athletics Department as part of the Monmouth Digital Network. We're going to be able to take you inside and have great in-depth, long-form conversations with the individuals that not only work here with the athletics department, the coaches, the student athletes, the administrators, but we're going to go beyond that and be able to have great conversations with Monmouth alums and people that were great Hawks in their time and that support this Monmouth program. And, and you're going to be able to really get some inside information. And quite frankly, we're excited to find out what we can find out from these folks as you know, if you follow Mammoth Athletics, my name is Eddie Acapinti. I'm happy to be the co-host of the Hawk Talk podcast. Uh, so happy to be able to broadcast athletics events throughout the year. And this new project, uh, I think so many of us excited to get it off the ground. Uh, have to bring in uh, the not just co-host and producer of the Hawk Talk podcast. We're going to go ahead and call him the chief engineer that got us to this point. And senior associate athletics director, Greg Viscomi. Uh, and, and Greg will be with uh, myself will be riding together through this journey. And, and, you know, Greg, this is something that I think has been in the works for a while. Mammoth fans want more great content, and this podcast is just a great way to be able to, to deliver it to them. Yeah, absolutely, Eddie, and thank you. Um, this is something that we've been talking about for, for a while and getting it off the ground. And uh, you start to look around, and it's it's just a medium that's really taking off and, and my idea behind it when we started talking about it was let's tell some stories that we don't normally tell. And let's talk to some people that maybe we don't normally get to talk to, whether that's student athletes or alums. You just went over the whole group. I don't need to reiterate it, but um, I'm really excited. And, and, and our goal is to get it off once a week and we're going to promote it all over the place. And it will be on Spotify and iTunes and everywhere else that you can consume uh, podcast material. And uh, we're, we're hoping that you'll like and subscribe and, and we're going to, probably take some questions at some point or at least take some advice for guests and uh, we're able to take people from phone calls so we're going to have some people call in that that aren't in the area still and uh, I'm just really excited. Yeah, I think that's really the key right when we had discussed this and it, it had been you know kind of discussed on and off for a while but to be able to get the technology to the point that we wouldn't be limited by uh, being able to only have guests on that could drive to your office, right? That could get here with us. And it's going to be great. And in, in, here in episode one, we're going to be able to hear it, you know, first chance, uh, someone who is associated with Mammoth Athletics, a great name, uh, but not here. So the fact that we can get them here is great. You know, having this medium beyond the the great graphics and videos and great work on mammothhawks.com, I think this is that next evolution, right? You know, great visual medium. Oh, great. Follow the broadcast video highlights. But now people can, on their drive to work, on their, you know, throw it in when you're on the elliptical, when you're working out, when you're running errands. That's how I kind of digest my podcast, right? Throw it on in the car, you know, through the Bluetooth and be able to do that. But, but to be able to do this for fans of all ages and be able to bring them kind of up close and personal, it's going to help us even be able to deliver, you know, these great student athletes and coaches and alums to these people in a way that they've never seen before. Yeah. We just want to tell stories, right? There's a, a thousand great stories at this university and some of them are tied into athletics. Some of them aren't tied into athletics. And, you know, I, I'm interested in telling all those stories and I know you are too. So, you know, every once in a while, we're going to have a guest that's probably not really tied into athletics outside of the fact that they might be a professor here or, or perhaps they, uh, you know, they come to games or they're, you know, they're fans of the Hawks or whatever. So uh, I'm really excited about it. And, 
you know, if you want to just go over the format a little bit of, of how we kind of see this thing playing out week to week. Of course. You know, the, the cool thing about it is we have a lot of freedom in this medium and we're going to follow a, a, a pretty, you know, loose format, but one in which Greg and I will be able to, you know, at the beginning of these podcasts, and they're all not going to begin with us breaking down exactly how it's going to go, but, <laughs> you know, episode one will. So, so Greg and I will be able to, to kind of take a look around the landscape of Mammoth Athletics in the first few minutes. We'll be able to let you know who our guests are going to be, what's going on with the different teams and programs here. And, you know, beyond a press release that's delivered through the website or a great social post. Now we can kind of have a little bit more room to explain some of those things. And uh, we'll do that here. But the first thing that we'll be able to let you know is our guests on episode one, or, I mean, we're coming out of the gates swinging. Uh, we are coming out hot. You know, we're going to have a, a great conversation with the Monmouth university director of athletics, Jeff Stapleton, um, uh, you know, it's been a few months already with Jeff in charge. Now he's been in charge of us, it seems for, you know, however many years, but it's going to be great to be able to catch up with Jeff w- with what's been a, a great start to his tenure as the, as the athletic director. Yeah, absolutely. And we're excited to have Jeff on and, and we spoke about, you know, we're, we're going to talk with Jeff about a little bit more than just what's it like to be the athletic director at Monmouth. You know, we've done some interviews with him. He's been on the ESPN, that kind of stuff, but we're going to really dig deep in and get to know the man Jeff from Ridgewood, New Jersey, <laughs> he left for a little bit and came back and, and made his home here on the Jersey Shore. Well, depending where you go in Ridgewood, he's not referred to as Jeff, but we're not going to we're not going to get into that. With <laughs> That'll our... be the first and last episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the real great part with this podcast is the freedom it allows us. You know, we'll have a great conversation with Jeff, but we're also going to be able to catch up with a former Monmouth University football player, one of the best to ever wear a Monmouth uniform and current Montreal Alouette wide receiver, Reggie White Jr. And that's what we alluded to earlier. Reggie's busy. He's playing in Canada, but he's still able to join us, which is great. Yeah, he just wrapped up playing in Canada. And now I think he just bought a house in, outside Baltimore. And I'm not sure where he is when he calls in later today. But um, today when we're taping, this happens to be National Signing Day. And I think it'll be awesome to ask Reggie about that, you know, how, how he went through signing day and how, you know, how he felt in those emotions. And obviously everybody knows Big Reg and, uh, you know, he's a football coach down in Milford uh, Mill Academy. And, and so he, he year in and year out deals with this kind of thing. And then obviously we're going to get into talking about playing professionally in, in the NFL and uh, playing now with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, and he's just a great guest, great student athlete. And I'm really excited. We wanted to have two really, really good guests for our first episode. And I think, uh, I think we hit a home run with both those guys. Yeah. Coming out with the athletic director and, um, you know, one of the best Monmouth university football players ever, I think is a pretty good start uh, to this podcast. So, so in this space, normally we're going to do what we're going to do now. And that's take a look around uh, the landscape here with the athletics department, what's going on on campus. Um, you know, we've gotten to the point of the year now that the, the fall season has, you know, it's funny to sit here in December and talk fall season, but, but when we talk about that, we talk about it in terms of the seasons on the field, on the court, obviously not so much w- with what's going on with weather, but you know, the fall season ending on campus uh, the winter picking up, which means basketball, but, but, you know, and, and we'll ask Jeff about this too, but you know, the, the fact that I think our teams came out of the year, the spring that they had, the summer they had, and then had the successful fall they had, uh, 
it really is a testament to the coaches, the student athletes, the, the the strength staff that they played competitive seasons last spring and then came back out soccer, football, field hockey, you know, cross country and had such successful fall seasons. Yeah, I don't think people really realize how much of a strain that was on the student athletes, on the coaches, on the support staff. It, it really was and um, the entire university should really be be proud about how flawlessly we pulled it out. We did everything the right way, the testing, the protocols. We didn't cut corners. We didn't lie. We didn't do anything like that. And we had, I don't think we canceled one game this fall. We had very minimal uh, COVID seclusions or whatever you want to call them. Um, so, I, and I just think that was amazing. And we had successful fall season. I mean, not everybody won championships. And I know that's how uh, we kind of gauge success around here. And rightfully so. I mean, Marilyn McNeil set it up that way. And I think Jeff is continuing that kind of line of thinking. Um, but but it was a successful fall. And, and lead that right into basketball season, which, I mean, I don't ever remember as an exciting season on both sides of the, of the men's and the women's team. Uh, obviously the men have had a lot of success, but it's been a while since we've been successful with the women. And I think Jenny and, and her staff has really brought some, some new energy. Well, through their first eight games, four wins, they've doubled the win total already this season through eight games. They had all of last year, those losses, three of them to high major opponents, you know, one of which was here in, in, you know, the ocean first bank and center, Oregon state played at Monmouth. Uh, well, and Monmouth was vet- it, Competitive doesn't do it justice. Sure. They played a really, really full good game against a the number 23 at the time, Beavers. Huge front line. I mean, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, <laughs> I think there's a six-inch uh, average height difference across the board there. Yeah, and, and, and you see what Coach Bogus is doing from a competitive culture standpoint. You know, Greg, you and I have been here a long time together. And in our time together, I don't know if we've seen a first-year coach come in and have to deal with some of the adversity winning over your own program as an outsider and do it so quickly and so effectively. And I know there's a long way to go. Mac plays still in front of us. Mm-hmm. I know you and I, though, have, because we've talked about it, just how impressive you know Coach and her staff have been. Yeah, she's been excellent. They've been excellent. And uh, I don't know what made it any different, but this round I wasn't involved directly in the hiring process, but I did speak to a bunch of the people who were. And this round of candidates, they had – three, four, five really good candidates, and any one of them could have been successful. But everybody said we got the right one, that Ginny Bogus was the right fit, the right level of energy, the right level of expertise, exactly what this program needed. And I think four wins in eight games kind of starting to prove that. It, the, the roster isn't a whole lot of different than it was last year. Casey Donovan and Stella Clark really are probably the two main newcomers in quotes. Um, but – they're, they're just doing a great job, and uh, she spoke at the WOBM Christmas Classic Breakfast uh, kickoff earlier in the week, and uh, she was awesome, and I was sitting with her, and the amount of shore conference coaches that came up afterwards and just shook her hand and said, thank you, and uh, we're excited for you, and we want to come out to your practices and your games, and, uh, you know, your speech was great. It, it was, I mean, I don't know how many women's teams or girls' teams were in there, but I think 14 or 12, something like that, and eight eight coaches at least, at least came up to her and spoke to her. And, you know, we've, those of us that have been here around for a while are excited to see that program reach its full potential. And with Coach Bogus, I think uh, where there is no reservations, it's all confidence with how she's going to do that. It's already happening. Even yeah. in the shore community where we both live, girls basketball is so good and it's so predominantly important. And 
the fact that the outpouring of support has come that quickly just speaks to, like you said, coach's ability, not just to coach, but to, to make connections. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, and I think that, you know, that's going to be really good and it's going to bring people in the building and, uh, just excited for it. Excited. Like we haven't had in a lot of years and, and that's not to put anybody down who was right. here before. It's just, it's just different. And, uh, I'm excited about it, but that kind of leads into the men, I guess. Well, and excitement what, and how that's going, which yeah, is awesome. Yeah. The, the word exciting comes to mind when you talk about the, uh, the men's team so far, uh, you know, through their first part of non-league, I just don't know if, if you had the highest of expectations for this team, they have exceeded those expectations with how they've started. Sure. And, and it's not one guy, you know, they're, they're very senior laden and you didn't know what you're going to get out of Walker Miller. I mean, coach Rice knew obviously. And I think we kind of knew because he was at Seton Hall, what we were going to get out of Shavar, but he's exceeded those expectations. Marcus, Marcus McClary has been awesome. Uh, George Pappas has been George Pappas. He's even taken that next step. And then everybody else around them has been better. Even like last night, Teron Allen came in and gave good good minutes. He's a freshman. Like it's really exciting and really fun to come watch this team play. Uh, forget about beating the high majors; just it's a fun team to watch. You know, Coach Rice. He's always put a, a, a product on the on the court that's not going to be boring. You know, we're, we're not backdoor. You know, passing around and we're running and gunning, and there's slams and oops and. Three point, you know, three point pull ups and all sorts of other fun stuff that just makes for fun basketball to watch. And this team is as fun as as any that we've had. You know, it's fun, but it's also they they do play basketball the the you know, it's a a way to say they play the right way. But they do <laughs> they make the extra pass. They pick their teammates up. It's play defense. They play defense, and and maybe the most underrated part of what they do is the way they play defense because. You know, when you think back to the Yale win and the Pitt win and the Princeton win, it was just locking down good offensive teams in the second half. And, you know, uh, you hear the athletes, or, you know, you, the student athletes talk and Coach Rice gives them freedom. But, you know, they have to earn that freedom and the ability to do that. And um, it, it's, I mean, I get a courtside seat for, you know, all these games. And it, it's been really fun to watch this team come together. And guys, like you said, start to fill roles. Nikkei Ruddy has been phenomenal as the four-man. You're getting the emergence of Miles Foster and Miles mm -hmm. Ruth. Clem Vuga giving good minutes. And then you got the old guy, Sam Shapu off the bench, has been really, really good. And I know that we could name everyone that plays because yeah. you don't start the way they did and not have everyone contribute. No, it's not five guys doing it. It's not three guys doing it. It's... 11 guys doing it, 10 guys doing it. Basketball season in full swing. Obviously, everyone in the local area excited, you know, in and around West Long Branch and, you know, on campus. That also leads itself right in to a team that, and a program that has a ton of success here at Monmouth, both indoor and outdoor, and it's the track and field program. You know, they came off a really successful outdoor run last year. There was no indoor season. And so, cross country. And cross country. Oh, the cross country team in it's, the fall. It's the was, best we've ever done, I think, since I've been here. Oh, far and away. And, and Sammy Reagan, Clint, and company were just fantastic. And now, you know, a new indoor season, that there's high expectations for Coach Nelson's team. There should be because he's been able to, in his now, right? It's weird. He took over at an odd time. They take over, COVID hits, boom. Sure. But now make it really his program with, uh, you know, a lot of student athletes that have high expectations. Yeah, I mean, that that's one of those things where, he left here. He came into a program, excuse me, Joe Compagni left a program that had such achievements behind them for a school, the size of Monmouth's that, it, that you were almost worried that who's going to step in here and, and is the, are the expectations going to be just too high? 
And Coach Nelson's come in, and we haven't really missed a beat. And and I, like I said, I, I don't want to trivialize what Coach Compagni did when he was here, but you know we're winning championships still. Um, the, the, we're sending kids to NCAA's. We're winning in cross country now, and and Sam, like you said, Sammy Reagan Clinton was the best female cross country runner I can remember here. Uh, it's just exciting, and we you know we this is what was great about this podcast. You know we hear a lot about you know basketball basketball football that you know that's that's all anybody really like we ever promote blah 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 which isn't true but um this is a good opportunity for us to have some of those track and field athletes on or have coach nelson on to talk about his program and talk about himself and and talk about the things that they're doing here um and they're off to a great season they just swept the mac awards four for four you know indoor track field on both genders four for four we've competed once so it looks like it's going to be another awesome indoor season for track and field. And we'll be able to have, as Greg said, conversations regarding all the, you know, the not only student athletes, the coaches, and, and cover all of the Division One sports here at Monmouth University here during our Hawk Talk podcast. Uh, we mentioned our guest here in Episode 1. Uh, we are coming out of the gates swinging with the athletic director, Jeff Stapleton, with Reggie White Jr. Excited to talk to both of them. Um, you know, before we, we take, you know, our first time out and, and we'll welcome in the athletic director in Jeff Stapleton, you, you, you know, there's a few things we got to just let everyone know about. And I know if you're listening to this, you're locked into mammothhawks.com, most likely a lot of your day, as you should. The great work that comes out of the department here and the creative work that you see is, is great. But one of the, the key things coming up and what you'll see over the next few months is the school has taken such great steps to making sure that fans can return safely to games. And I think that's going to be one of the key things that we want everyone listening to this podcast to do and to tell their friends about. If you visit mammothhawks.com slash tickets, you can see all of the different ways that you can take part in this men's and women's basketball season that Greg and I uh, just highlighted. There's a lot of excellent promotions going on across all of our social media channels on Twitter at mammothhawks. On Instagram at MU Hawks. Obviously, we want you to follow along there on Facebook at Monmouth University Athletics. Um, a really great promotion that you're starting to see, and something that you've seen either because you follow it or because uh, you're interested in it. But you know, we've got these two great dueling ticket promotions for the men and the women. Uh, they're not dueling against each other; they're going on at the same time. And appropriately named the March to Atlantic City Jackpot, you pretty much get three games for the price of two for both the men and the women. The really cool thing is. Each package that you purchase gets you one entry for an opportunity to win free Mac tournament tickets down in Atlantic City. Um, so that's all of our social media. It's on mammothhawks.com. But um, I know you and I will be, have a chance to get down to Atlantic City. And, you know, we've been down there recently for meetings, and, and you're starting to see the school obviously has taken all the steps to get fans back here safely. Atlantic City is doing the same thing as well. And I, I think you're going to start to see some really fun momentum and steam pick up towards this MAC tournament in March. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Dr. McNeil and the, and the presidents at the time, and some of the other ones in the MAC really um, fought hard to get uh, Atlantic City to be a host. And I know one of our trustees, Harold Hose, Hodes, had a big deal in getting that down there as well. So we got to go down and support as Mammoth fans. You know, half of you are already going to Atlantic City. I know that. Yep. And and it's it's a great opportunity to go down there. We have two good teams now. We should be making deep runs. Uh, so let's go down. Let's support. 
it's Atlantic City. I mean, we're used to going to Albany. Mm-hmm. And I know we've had some great nights in Albany just because we make everything we do fun. But uh, it, we're talking about America's Playground, I'm pretty sure, is what they call Atlantic City. So let, let's get down there. This is a great way to do it. Come get the same great seats for three of our best opponents at the arena. We're going to need you loud there anyway to get those wins. And then you get entered in for some free tickets to go down to Atlantic City and watch the MAC tournament, where hopefully we're going to our first NCAA tournament since uh, 2006, since right before I got here. That's so right. maybe you guys can blame me for it. I don't know. <laughs> Greg's right, though. The the three women's opponents, it's their rival with Ryder, and then it's Marist and Quinnipiac, the two traditional powers in the league. And for the men, it's Iona, it's Ryder, it's Quinnipiac. It's a game a month. And right now, unless you're a season ticket holder, that is your way to ensure a lower-level seat to the game with Iona on January the 9th, which we know all fans here and outside of New Jersey are pointing to. Uh, so keep it locked in for all of that. We are so excited to catch up with our two guests today. Reggie White Jr. in a little bit. Jeff Stapleton, our first guest, will join us right after this on Hawk Talk, Episode 1. Our first guest here on Hawk Talk, Episode 1. Like we mentioned, we're coming out of the gate swinging with the athletics director, and we're ha- so happy to have Jeff Stapleton join us now. And, you know, Jeff, Greg, and I know you, but what we want to do is talk about you, which I know is your favorite thing to do. But talk a little bit about, about you and, and let people know kind of, you know, who the new director of athletics at Monmouth is. But before we do that, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eddie. Really appreciate it. Greg, thank you so much. You, we wanted to, to come out swift. Yeah. Guest. On we, this beautiful uh, show, we wanted to come out swinging, and, and Eddie and I were like, "Well, listen, let's let's get let's get Jeff going and really really get it moving here." Well, the the challenge was finding time in the schedule to 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 get you to be able to sit down for a few minutes because it's been uh, quite the whirlwind of you know when you took over as the director of athletics, and and there's so much to talk about, but. How has that schedule for you changed? And kind of let people, you know, peel back that layer a little bit because uh, we used to see you all the time, at least more so, and now I know you are a very busy man. Well, uh, thank you, Eddie. But, uh, yeah, it is it is a change. You know, it, it's funny because people say, oh, you've been here so long. You know, it will be such an easy transition for you going from, your, you know, the, the deputy director of athletics to the athletic director job and, I'll tell you, it's the furthest thing from the truth. It's just, it's a different job. Just like if you were a head coach, you know, assistant coach becoming the head coach. It's just a different job, different responsibilities. And um, so it has been different. It's been great that I have been here this long, that I know the the landscape of, of Monmouth University, which has been very helpful. And also working with the staff here, knowing all you guys and, and our coaches and our assistants and everyone in our department, that has been a godsend. Uh, but uh, it is different, you know, a lot more meetings, a lot other types of meetings that you're involved in. So um, it is a transition though, but it's been a great transition. Well, and, and there is no one who is more prepared for that than, like you mentioned, long time as the deputy athletic director to to Dr. McNeil, uh, shared, you know, a wall with her, right? You are the office next door. But it's funny to hear you say that, that 
you know, you saw it every day and you've been here, you know, as long as you have, but even with all of you knowing about this and being ready for it, that it still is so much of a transition and how much of that is due to, I guess, the current landscape of college athletics and the current landscape really of, of higher education, really, you know, with colleges looking so different now than they did, you know, two, three, four years ago with, with all the changes that we've seen. Yeah, it's, it is just, a you know, it's a lot of changes and I think, Monmouth University is going through a lot of changes, you know, and uh, uh, President Leahy's direction, uh, he's trying to put a, a, uh, his spin on the university and and uh, and his goals and his strategic plan for the next 10 years. And uh, that also uh, plays into all of this. You know, I, I feel... Bad President Leahy's been here three years. This is his third year, but two of them really has been through COVID, and he had to manage that whole process. So, uh, like, we're just getting into really his presidency, I think, here, because now we're kind of coming out of COVID, and we know where COVID is still very much a presence, but we're starting to move out of that. So, it's exciting to that we can start putting his. Uh, his goals and his plans into effect here. You know, you mentioned the the transitions that are going on and Greg and I at the, at the top of the show, you know, really, I, I think it should be highlighted what the coaches and student athletes have done here at Monmouth over these last two years in the year that got cut short due to the pandemic when it initially happened in the March of, you know, in March of 20, then through last year playing everything in the spring and then to what our teams have been able to accomplish here in the fall. And, you know, from where you sit at the top of the department and overseeing athletics, how has that been to see, like you mentioned, you're in all these meetings, you see all the different challenges that universities and departments have, but to, to see the success of our teams and coaches through that kind of really difficult, impossible time, um, you know, towards the end of Maryland's tenure, now the beginning of your tenure, how has it been from your vantage point and, and how does that make you feel that they're able to do as well as they are through such adverse conditions? Well, I think it's such a testament to our uh, coaches, our coaches here at Monmouth, how well they have done through this whole pandemic of last year, all the success that they have had uh, all of last spring with everyone going at the same time and the work that, you know, the administrative staff put together and worked their tails off. You know, I think basically everybody had maybe a half a day off at a seven, you know. We were working six and a half days a week easily, you know, uh, to get these things done. I mean, like you said, I don't think we, we had a game every day, but Monday probably, you know, and, and people were grinding it out and, uh but the success that these teams have had during that time, we were the only events happening on campus. And really, if you think about it, we're the only events still happening on campus right now in the fall and how successful we were in the fall and now going into, uh, into the winter sports with men's and women's basketball and, and men's and women's swimming and indoor uh, men's and women's indoor track. So again, we're, we're, we're out there and we're still trying to have the experiences for our athletes. I, I think we even forget that sometimes because we're so in it that we are still dealing with everything that we're dealing with. And I think we feel because of what had to happen two years ago and last year that I think you made a good point. People are still very much um, 
you know, we're dealing with it. The outside world is dealing with it. And I think we forget that because we're so busy with events and games and everything going on that we realize, no, there, this is still very much a reality that's facing everyone. I think we've kind of just learned to live with it, right? We, we, we do mass checks, we do testing, we get vaccines, we get boosted, we follow other people's rules when we go to their, um, their arena. So it's almost just like the show must go on. Right. Like, like, like whatever we have to do to get the next game off, let's do it. Whatever we have to do to make sure our student athletes are safe. Let's do it. Whatever we have to do to make sure people who come to our events are safe. Let's do it. So I think, I don't know that that's a testament to the people who work at, at, at this university or through from the health center all the way up. And Jeff, I think that's been, you know, Greg and I were talking about it. What's been impressive is the commitment of everyone at Monmouth to ensure the safety and be able to put all these events on. You know, we've seen peer institutions have, you know, even this year, pauses and, and things have to stop. And, and you know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves at all. But but the ability of everyone here to work towards that common goal, to get games played, to get broadcasts done, to have student workers safely work at games, kind of, you know, fans attend. That's been, I think, one of the most impressive things for us to see. You know, we come to a game, we know the game's going to be played and, and all of the great support staff work around it's going to be done. And, and not everyone can say that even now here as we sit here in December of, you know, 2021. Yeah, I don't think everybody can say that. And, you know, when you said that again, the being safe and everything. Think about it. I remember when this all came down, you guys were talking about the broad, you know, the, uh, the Mammoth digital network. And we were in that, in the, in the trailer and you're saying, Hey, we can't be in this trailer anymore, you know, to broadcast these games. How are we going to get these ESPN broadcasts on air? And think about it. Now you have the Parton broadcasting center and how quickly that happened. And that's and and Greg and his team did a fantastic job putting that together, and and having the partners step up and see the benefit to our students and our athletes of, of being able to make a significant gift. So that could happen, and that happened, you know, in less than a year's time. That is that is tremendous. Yeah, and that was a, a total. I don't know if I've been involved in more of a collaborative effort across campus. I mean the guys in Ed Christensen's department just being able to run the wire and flip the fiber and do all that stuff. And obviously Andrew Kurtz and, and, and our students and uh, you know, Eddie and, and his, and the, and the broadcasters that are on air. And it's just, it was a total, you know, Tim Moore and the guys over in facilities and uh, it, there was no corners cut president Leahy made sure on that. We never did things cheap. You know, we waited for soundproof doors to get installed because it was in the middle of a basketball arena. It's just, it really is a dream to come true, and it it really speaks to the specialness that that is Monmouth University and why this is such a unique place and why people come here to to, to get an education and uh, stay here and work for sixteen plus years and uh, why we have so much success on the field and why coaches stay is yeah. because of that kind of attitude and that kind of get alongness for lack of a term. <laughs> we all know exactly what you mean. And I think whenever we try to, to, to put it into words, it, it comes across like that. Like, it's not buzzwords, but it is. It's getting along. I mean, we all see each other more than our own families, you know, and, and we know that. And that's the reason that, you know, you see Hawk family out there. It's it's not fake. It's not a buzzword for recruiting. It's real. And, Greg, that point kind of brings me, you know, into something, Jeff, you know, for you. 
the word stability and continuity, those words get thrown around, I, I think, a lot at Mammoth, and they go hand in hand with success. I think that's been the biggest reason that you look around and, and there's so many people that do stay. And, and before we get a little bit more in depth with your individual story, I think when people hear those words and they, I'll, I'll put all three of them together, right? Stability, continuity, and success. You may not want to hear this, but you're the first person that comes to a lot of people's minds with that because what you've been able to do and help growing what's going on here, it all leads in together. So as you start to, don't look back now because you're in year one as an athletic director, but, but when you start to think back to, you know, the summer of 1990 from then to now, and those words and continuity and success, I mean, do you have a chance to look back? Does it, you know, do you, do you have a chance to reflect while being so busy and going from meeting to meeting? Well, that's a great question. Um, I really probably haven't looked back that much to see where we've come from in August of 90 uh, when I started. But when we started, um, we had one, basically one field. It was Kessler Field, and it wasn't even Kessler Field at that point. Uh, there was a field inside the track, and that's where we played men's and women's soccer. And uh, we didn't have football. And uh, soccer was our weekend activity. And uh, when you look back on where we have come from there to, you know, Hess, Hess Field and, and, uh, and all the improvements that they have done on, with their facilities here. Yeah, it is, it is a, a solid 30 years of work, you know, but Sometimes I guess it is hard to look back on yourself and, and look at things that you're, you were a part of to, uh, to build here at Monmouth. But uh, uh, I should do that at some point. <laughs> well, maybe Greg and I, maybe we'll put that on our to-do list. We need to help Jeff look A little back. Resp- retrospect, the Stapleton years. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like we all do it with friends and colleagues and, and you know, fellow classmates, right? Like, mm-hmm. They come back to a game and you reminisce. You, you know, Jeff, you and I were at the Yale game and, and we run into, you know, alums up there. You know, we see Whitney Coleman. You know, we and you start thinking of those, you know, years. And then, but it, it's across every spectrum, Greg. We go to football games and there's, you know, alums that are, that follow the team and that come. And, and it's remarkable that that family that we talk about, that Jeff, right now at this point, you're, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the phrase from one of your favorite movies, but you, you are kind of the godfather at this point where, you know, you're spanning so many years. But but it is always remarkable to see whether it's, you know, a women's soccer or women's lacrosse alum. I mean, they all come back. They all stay around. They help broadcast games with us. It, it really is great to see. Yeah, definitely. Jeff, I got a question. What what made you take this job? Where were you at and and what made you take the, the job and, and who offered it to you? I know Wayne Zoke was the athletic director there. Yeah, Wayne – it was back. It was funny because I was working for Avia Group International, which was a which is a sneaker company, and uh, they were headquartered out in Portland, Oregon. And um, I was in the sneaker business when uh, I when I heard about this job opening, and I heard from one of my um, one of my uh, uh, one of the people that I was working with at the time in the basketball world at a large uh, summer basketball camp. And he knew Wayne and he said, uh, Wayne Zoke, the men's basketball coach at 
Mammoth just got the AD job and he's looking for an assistant to help him so that he can continue to coach, really. So that's where it started. And he needed somebody to come in and do the day to day work that he couldn't get bogged down with. So, um, so I came and talked to Wayne and that, you know, that was in August of 90 and, um, it was just a great fit. I, you know, in my profession, I wasn't going to move to Portland, Oregon. I, you know, I'm an East coast person. So it was just a great opportunity to get back into the, uh, the college world and college sports. I started out at Hobart college as assistant basketball coach and then went to Colgate university as an assistant basketball coach. And then I got into the sneaker business of doing promotions in the New York city area for Via, who was headquartered out in, in Oregon. So I was their East Coast rep and uh, and just got to know and, and use my connections. They were trying to grow the basketball sneaker line. So I used my connections in the basketball world to try to get our shoes on teams. And uh, that's how I got to know Wayne. Now, the experience that you just mentioned it spans the whole gamut of what ultimately makes an athletics director. You were a student athlete, you were a coach, got into the business world, and you kind of had all of those experiences that then put you on this path and this journey through the you know 30 years at Monmouth of being an administrator and ultimately being the athletic director. So when you made the move to Monmouth, was this the ultimate goal in your mind? And I know the goals kind of change. You were an athlete, you know, you played basketball, you coached, and now you do that. Uh, so when you made that move back then and you got to come back down to Jersey and come to the shore, was that kind of the, the far off goal or were you too busy to even think about it back then? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I doubt I ever thought I would be here for 31 years, really going into my 32nd year here at Monmouth. I don't think I would have thought that. Um, I think when I got back into athletic administration, I missed coaching basketball. I thought that was a great job, and I really enjoyed that. But I was when I got back into being an administrator, I said, I got to throw myself into this job and stop thinking about being a basketball coach. You know, now I can be, I can work with so many more teams. So I threw myself into that because I enjoy all the all the sports that we have here that we offered for the student athletes. So I threw myself, I, I thought myself, throw yourself into it and get involved in every sport that you can and, uh, and grow that way and see what this is all about. Don't be looking over your shoulder. Like you want to get back into coaching because you're not going to be successful at the job in front of you if you continue to do that. So that's what I did. And it's pretty remarkable the the time that you entered, right, re-entered college athletics. You said you were working for an athletic director slash coach, you know, and, and that's mm -hmm. something that, that, you know, is commonplace back then, but obviously transitioned out, you know, as things continue now. I, I think the people need to know, you know, when you were a student athlete at Hobart, you know, and, and you know, traveling to games, playing division, you know, playing NCAA basketball, you know, take us back through those times. What are the memories that you have? You know, is it a rivalry game? I'm sure it was, was it van trips, bus trips, right? Oh. All throughout, you know, Western New York, you know, up there with the Statesmen. Oh my goodness. If you ever, if you knew what we traveled in, uh, vans, they went, <laughs> vans, buses, everything. But then Hobart had some crazy idea that they were going to get a bus and brand it 
for Hobart statesman and but they bought a yellow school bus. <laughs> okay, a yellow school bus. And we're traveling around New York State in the winter at night in a yellow school bus. And we were going to, you know, from Geneva, New York, to Buffalo, to, to Albany, to Syracuse, to St. Lawrence, up in Canton, uh, New York. I mean, all through snowstorms. And we're in a yellow school bus. I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but it was not. And that stopped after one year because <laughs> it was crazy. We're like, what are we doing? You know, but times are different. Times are different. I, I think why, why basketball? I mean, grew up, we've talked, you've played some football. What else did you play? Play any baseball? Yeah, I love baseball too. I was probably a pretty good baseball player. I played second base, loved it. I loved the games. I hated the practices in March. Hated them. <laughs> who who likes practicing in March in uh, the Northeast? I didn't, so uh, I stopped. But I really loved baseball. It was funny. I loved basketball too. I mean, that was my sport. That's where I played throughout and uh, the most consistent. So uh, I really enjoyed that part of it up in uh, North Jersey. Went to Ridgewood High School and. Um, had pretty good teams, played in pretty good leagues and uh, group four school back then, big schools, and uh, had a great time playing high school basketball. What what made you decide to go Hobart? Did, you know what I, I it's not close. It's no, it was you know it was just uh, I after um, after my years at Ridgewood, I PG'd at Trinity Pauling School, Connecticut. Now up in. Up in Pauling, New York. Oh, New York. For some reason, I thought yeah. it was Connecticut. Maybe we had a kid from Connecticut that went to PJ. I think right. that yeah. might have been it, yeah. Yeah, probably. you have, uh, well, Nikkei Ruddy's a Trinity Pauling kid. Yep. And uh, he had a successful. And um, so um, so I went to Trinity for a PG year. And from there, I got to know more, like I was just getting recruited and stuff like that. But I... Um, I got to know Hobart and a lot of schools in upstate New York because we were. I was now in New York, and I just opened up my, you know, the door to to schools in the, in that part of the world. So I got to know uh, Hobart a little bit, and glad I went there. Four year Letterman team captain. You were an MVP your senior year. You're you're underselling your <laughs> basketball ability now. Fill in the 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 listener now. What was what was your game? Well, I was a point guard, so uh, I, I I was really a shooter coming out of high school. But then, uh, still a shooter, got, by the still, way, still still a shooter. But um, became a point guard, really a, a real just a point guard. I really enjoyed kind of being the floor general at that at that point in my career, and. Uh, um, just enjoyed, you know, the competition, you know, really enjoyed that and uh, um, just enjoyed playing. You know, it was Division three basketball, but it was a lot different back then. Division three basketball is a lot different than it is now. Well, it's not different now. It's the same as the, you're really playing for the love of the game. You're not, there's no real money, you know, there's no scholarships involved, but you're competing and practicing like every team that we have on our campus today you know there's a commitment to uh, getting better every day so i enjoyed that part of it 
enjoyed, you know, the guys and the locker rooms and traveling and, you know, having fun off the court too. Player, coach, administrator, right, AD, but but the the theme of athletics is something in, in the family as well. And, you know, you come to the shore, the shore is your home. It's hard to, you know, I can't even, right, picture you or, you know, not at Monmouth, right, for all we know you, but, but you know, there's... Uh, you have an athletic family as well and, and a family of athletes. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, your life. And it's been that way then. It's almost like one of those, you know, like the basketball journey, you know, Jeff Stapleton. But, you know, all of your daughters play as Jeff well. Jeff Stapleton, this is your life. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, <time>? yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. And, and, you know, it's hard to think shore athletics and shore basketball without, you know, that last name because your daughters are very, were very, are very good athletes as well. Yeah, they, uh, they enjoy basketball. You know, if I must say anything, they are unbelievable fans of Monmouth University. I have two daughters in college right now, one at Gettysburg and one at Stonehill. And um, last night during the Yale game, they are both watching the game, still watching the game from their dorm room and commenting on the game to me, you know, throughout the game. <laughs> So it's, uh, they are real fans. They grew up here. They've been here since day one. Maggie was born the, 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 uh, the, the year and the, the March, uh, when we went and played Duke, um, down at, down in, uh, Greensboro and Maggie was born that the weekend before that game. So she has been a Monmouth fan from day one. (laughs) So, uh, and they all have been, they just, they love the game. They all, now I have two and one, one's a sophomore over at Trinity. She's uh, playing basketball and, and going to school as a fine school. And she really enjoys all aspects of being a student athlete. And then I have an eighth grader over at St. Catherine's school who also plays basketball. So yeah, we, we love basketball, but, um, I don't know. It's I'm I'm happy that they have found something that they're passionate about. It's a lot of time in the gym, Jeff Spence. <laughs> well, we would come f- home from a game, <laughs> from a you know a Monmouth men's or women's game, and then Jeff the next day uh, got to be up early. Got to, I got you know, four games in Asbury today, and <laughs> yeah. then I got two the Wild. next day. And uh, how about that commitment? By the way, the, not right. only the commitment to ensure the you know 500, 600 student athletes here are doing well, but you know the commitment to get to all of your kids' games. Uh, I think his wife has a little something to do with that too. I'm not getting yelled at by Trish. It's a family. I commitment. know she drives those drives yeah. the girls around as yeah. well. Yeah, I couldn't do this without Trish. That's for darn sure. She does so much of that heavy lifting, and I'll race in and and catch the tip off. You know, <laughs> but she's gotten the kids there and taking them everywhere and she's she's even a little bit of an assistant coach with Neve's team the eighth grade team at uh, St. Catherine so she's running out of work for games at 345 and trying to make those games work too when she can and uh, so um, but she's done a great deal of the heavy lifting but we have seen I, I wouldn't I, I bet I see 300 basketball games a year easily that's, that's why that's why you need those summer days on the beach yes <laughs> gotta be loving basketball for that much you know jeff and, and it's been such a pleasure to catch up with jeff stapleton the the monmouth athletic director um you know important for i think fans to understand your perspective 
because you've seen this game and the game of college athletics from every perspective. Student athlete, coach, administrator, working your way up now into the top seat. And what would be, you know, going through the process of transitioning from from Dr. McNeil into your leadership, there is a lot of similar, you know, it, it is a culture that works here, but, you know, what would be your hope for the department for, for the, like the next 30 years, you know, now is you're, you're, you've been here, you've been such a key component in building the winning culture, both, you know, in the administrative hallways and on the fields and, and on the courts. But what are the things that you want to see the coaches, the administrators do here philosophically, you know, with what your shape of what, how a college athletic department and how a competitive environment should be run? I guess, what's your hope for, you know, the next era you know, beyond this with this ever-changing landscape of college athletics? Well, I hope we continue to grow. You know, growth is so important for for every institution of higher learning and and the same for Monmouth University. And I hope we continue to grow and continue to challenge ourselves uh, on the field and in the classroom. And, uh, you know, whatever those challenges are, you know, uh, for Monmouth, how do we, how do we continue to grow? You know, how do we, how do we continue to compete at the highest level we can compete at? So I'm, I'm hoping that we can continue that, you know, I'm hoping that we can continue to upgrade our facilities here. You know, every, you know, I mean the Mac now, you know, when the Mac, the ocean first bank center is 13 years old. You know, a lot of, you know, so uh, we got to continue to to look at all our facilities and try to upgrade our facilities so that we're giving our student athletes the best conditions to compete on. Uh, so I'm looking to, you know, challenge ourselves and and uh, and uh, look down the road and, and see what the best for Monmouth University is going to be. And that could be. You know, is is the, the you know, you know, looking at it is like how can you challenge yourself? How can you get into maybe a different league? Quite honestly, I mean, is that the next step for Monmouth University? I'm not sure, but you want to challenge yourself, you know. And sometimes, you know, we're slotted. Every athletic department is slotted in the league that they're in, and I think by getting better. Maybe it's, it's it's getting into a different league, quite honestly, and and challenging ourselves to grow in that manner. And I know we've been chatting for a while. Greg and I talked in the beginning about you know the great start to the winter season here at Monmouth and what the men's basketball team has done. But I want to ask you about about the women's basketball team. And you know you, you kind of hit the ground literally running with hiring you know one of the marquee positions at the university and a women's basketball coach in Jenny Bogus and, and, you know, about what she's done. It's been remarkable for us to see, but for you to go through that process with all the great candidates and then have Ginny kind of rise to the top of that great group and to see the success that she's had early on in the year, how that makes you feel. Uh, it makes me feel great that, but this is about Ginny and her team. She, you know, we were, we were able to, to, have we were we had a coaching change so we were able to go out and look at what great young coaches were out there in in the business and we were so lucky to to attract Ginny to our job and our campus and her and her players have just changed the 
they've changed the culture of Monmouth women's basketball here. And that's Ginny and the kids bought in and have listened to her and are following her in this march to to continue to strive to get better in 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 the Mac. And uh, it's all about about her and the kids. And it's it's been tremendous to see them. You know, they're four and four. You know, and they still have a few games before the holiday break here, and to get into league play, and uh, they're really. They're just—it's uh, great to see the kids playing hard every day, getting better every day, and enjoying playing basketball every day. Jeff, we heard it. People inside the athletic department heard that this was a really, really good group of basketball coaches that that applied for this position, uh, and then everybody follows that up with. But we hit the home run with with Jenny. What what was it about her that made her stand out um, among a group of some really impressive coaches, some some high level top assistants that are at Power Five programs? What what made Jenny the go to for you guys? I think um, in the be- you know I think it was just her vision and where she saw Monmouth growing to and what we could do here at Monmouth and. Um, her vision was just second to none for with the people we we were talking with, and uh, we had great we had a great pool of candidates. We really did have a great pool, and Ginny just stood out in that pool. And uh, you know, we did something different here where we we um, had all our women's head coaches also interview Ginny, and this was the you know during Zoom and. So we got our women on the call with them and gave Ginny the chance to interview them as much as they were interviewing her about Monmouth and why so many of our other women's head coaches have been here so long. And she was just intrigued by why are you guys all been here so long? What is it about Monmouth that makes this place special? So they had a chance to talk about that and then talk about her vision and uh and our women's coaches came back and said that's that's the one Ginny's the one so you know go get her and uh and we we felt the same way but we were it was just so nice to also get the input from the other family members as we talk about a family here of family members in our department up and down our hallways because a big part of any job is working with everybody in this department, and that's why we've been successful, I think, here, because we're all in the same building. We all have offices that, you know, open up to the same hallway, and um, these coaches really get to know and support each other. So uh, it's very important when we have a job opening that they're going to be able to fit into our culture but also bring their own culture and, and help us grow. Let's veer out of sports for a minute. Because I know that you're, there's more to you than just athletics and sports. And, you know, I know one thing that you're passionate about, you know, film, movies. So, uh, you know, Greg and I were, you know, talking about, you know, wh- where do we want to really get some stuff out of Jeff that people wouldn't know about Jeff. So, real quick, just a couple of questions for you. Give us the movie or couple, the short list of movies. When you're at home, the one day a week that you get to sit home, maybe half a day a week, right? That you're home and you're flicking around. 
what are the couple of movies that will keep you tuned in? If you're going through the channel on the guide and you see these couple of movies, you are going to land on that movie every time. Well, the one and only is The Godfather. The one and only. <laughs> that was a loaded question. We, Eddie and I sat here and said, we know the answer. How can we get Jeff to tell us he loves The Godfather? All right, that's how we'll do it. That's how we'll do it. It was such a great movie, isn't it? I mean, it's just a great it's the best. movie. It's, a, I mean, it's the best. You just... I, you can watch. I mean, how many times have you seen that movie? I mean, I've probably seen it fifty to a hundred times. Every time it's on, you stop and you just start watching it. Doesn't it up. doesn't matter where it is, right? Mm -hmm. Where it is in the process that you pick it up on that day, maybe from the beginning, halfway through, but you can't turn it off. Can you watch it without quoting it? Because I can't at this point. <laughs> yeah. No, it's hard not to. <laughs> My wife gets mad at me. When I when I start in and I'll say things before they happen, she goes, "Yeah, we get it. You watched it a lot." Have have the have your kids seen it yet? No, I don't. They're not ready for that. No, they're they're not ready for that yet. We we the only other movie I have that's like that is Jaws. Really? I will watch the original Jaws yeah. as soon as it comes on, and that I have introduced. Bryn got twenty minutes into it and quit. Mm. I was like, I can't. Frank watched the whole thing front to back. We wouldn't show it to them. They'd begged us until we came back from Hawaii because I was not going to ruin an entire vacation based on what happened up in Amity. Um, so, well, that's about when the movie changes, too. The 20, 25-minute mark. It, <laughs> right. right. Bryn was out. She, she pulled out of it, but Frank watched the whole thing. But no, those are only two movies. Godfather. Godfather 2 is close. Yes. Very and, good uh, movie. And, and Jaws are the only two for me that I'll, that I'll actually stop and watch the whole thing. And The Big Lebowski, but we don't need to get into Yeah, that. it's a whole different, <laughs> different well, you genre. You guys don't I mean, when The Godfather came out in the theaters... That's when most theaters only had one movie. It wasn't one screen. Like one screen. Right. So in our town, The Godfather played at that movie theater for six months. <laughs> wow. Just constant. No, no Just, other movie. No other movie. It was The Godfather for six months. So wow. that's how it tells you how many people went to the Godfather. And probably went multiple times. Oh yeah. Just it was it was just the funniest thing. You're like, you go buy it. You're like, still the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we gonna get another movie in town? And like at that time you couldn't go anywhere else. You could ride your bike to the to the movie theater was in town. So uh it was just funny. It was Six months. Can you imagine now somebody running a movie six months in one theater? Well, not when you have 18 screens or right. whatever. That's even if you go to the theater or you're just sitting home and watching on HBO Max. Yeah. Would, <laughs> I, I, it's funny that you say that because, right, like would people, I don't know if anyone watches movies, you know, that way anymore, but I know you do. I, nothing I love more than when you would, would quiz us all <laughs> with the Oscar winners for the year, the Academy Awards. Is there another one that stands out or, or, or that's the one that in your mind is right at the very top? Uh, that's at the top, but it is, you have to watch Academy Award winning movies. You have to find them and you have to watch them. You know, you have to watch the, the acting. I mean, the actors when in an Academy Award winning movie is, I mean, that's, those are the best of the best. You have to watch those. It's just, there, there are some, there's just some great movies. Now you're putting me on the spot, but like we, when we're driving in the cars, we we love breaking down <laughs> and uh, and finding movies. out which of the boobs in this in this department haven't watched movies. Haven't watched. Well, we know one. <laughs> Our friend Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he has never watched a movie, but he hasn't. No. 
that's actually that was the whole premise of interviewing Jeff, and it took us a while to get there. But we <laughs> to had find to out that out Mark Morgan that doesn't watch movies. He doesn't watch movies. Um, well, whether it's basketball, whether it's movies, whether it's you know obviously any of the the things that we talked about, Jeff. You know, we're so appreciative that you were. Uh, able to be our first guest and not just do that, but be candid, be open about your experiences that, that led you to this point. And, you know, we all feel the same way when I say that, you know, we're as equally excited for the future of Mammoth athletics under your leadership, you know, as you are. So we really appreciate the time and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks Eddie, Greg, thank you. Thank you for all that you guys do for this department and our student athletes. You guys do a tremendous job and I really appreciate it. It wouldn't be the same without you. Appreciate that. Love doing it. That's our first guest here on Hawk Talk Episode 1, Jeff Stapleton. Keep it right here. We welcome you back to our first episode of the Hawk Talk Podcast. And like we mentioned in our open, we are coming out of the gates and we are bringing the heat. We had the athletic director, Jeff Stapleton, on. And now we're so happy to bring in to our Hawk Talk Podcast uh, one of the best football players in Monmouth history. Uh, we had a pleasure having a front row seat to, to these guys' games and watching number nine for the Hawks do his thing. And Reggie White Jr. joins us now. And before we do anything else, Reggie, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, man. It's an honor to be on the first show, so I'm excited. Well, we're excited, too. And, you know, it's been great to, to obviously, and, and, you know, for all the Listeners, Reggie's such a great alum, and he's so supportive, and, and it really has been remarkable to watch his transition from Mammoth through the professional ranks and, and into Canada. But, you know, Reggie, before we look back, you know, got to talk about what you're going through now and just a great time and a great season that you had up in Montreal. And you know, take us through and take the listener through, right? Professional football in Canada, you know, it, we know how great it is, but we know how different it is too. So let's just kind of start there. Your experiences north of the border playing with Montreal and having a great, the great end of the season that you did and, and only trending in a positive direction. Uh, I think it was a very, very different experience for me um, going to Montreal. My first time in Canada, uh, especially in Montreal, everybody speaks French. So I had to adjust to seeing French every day, listening to French every day, not on the football field, but as I go through the city, uh, taking the metro every day. That was something I was new to. I used to drive everywhere. So taking the metro every day was, it took me a while to get used to, but it was it was a great experience. Uh, I've seen a lot of different things. Adjusting to the game, it, it didn't take a while for me. Um, once I learned about like the waggle and stuff, the hairstyle we had, it kind of I kind of used it to my advantage because that's just cheating right now. You give me a head start to uh, <laughs> run my route, so it was fun. You could it's a lot of things you can do. It's a lot of rules. I was learning something new every week. I was, I still learn something new. The uh, championship games this past. Sunday, and something happened, I was like, I didn't even know you can do that. So I'm still learning, but it, it's been a fun experience. Um, my family came up to see me play in the last game, my first game in the snow. So it's cold, but it was fun. So it's a great experience, and I'm looking forward to building off this year. Now, what's uh, what happens now? You know, and you have some time off. Or are you coming back to, to Montreal? Is it a free agent type of deal? What what's next for Reggie White Jr. on the football field? Uh, I'll probably be going back to Montreal. Um, they picked up my option, so at the end of the season, they picked up my option. So now it's just 
take a little break. Um, I'm going on a cruise with my family. We leave Saturday. It's like 30 of us going on a cruise to Bahamas. So take some time off and enjoy time with the family. And then probably once the new year hit, I'll, I'll be right back, right back to the uh, working out and stuff. Wait, 30 people going on one cruise, Reg? I mean, that's that is quite the that's quite the party. <laughs> yeah, I might, yeah it's about I'd like to jump in on that. 36 of us, something like that. He just casually threw that in, and, and, and I was reading notes, and I was like, that, that's more than just a few people. Will Will Big Reg be attending? Big Reg will be in full attendance, so it should be a great, great cruise, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I have to say it. I'm not just saying it because Reg is on the phone. Big Reg might be my all-time favorite <laughs> Mammoth parent. I, it'd be hard to We've, had, we've had some great ones, but he, I mean, I have... The experience of going down to A&T and, and seeing oh, him man. run the show there. Reggie, honestly, it, it was remarkable. We told people we knew Big Reg, and instantly we were like on the VIP list for their homecoming, you know, greatest show on earth tailgate. It was amazing. I, I dropped it in the press box, and I knew your dad was a stud there, and he's revealed and revered, excuse me, and I, and I know he played in the NFL, but I just kind of said, oh, yeah, you know, one of our alums, his dad, you know, played football here, so we went and saw him or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, who, who's that? And I was like, oh, Reggie White. And like, oh. Oh. You know Reggie White? I said, yeah, I know Reggie White. He's just DJing 25 minutes ago. We were down in the parking lot. I wanted to be at that game so bad. I had a game the same night, so I was watching that game. Y'all game, our game, and then get ready for my game. So as soon as, as soon as like fourth quarter, two minutes hit, and I knew we was gonna win, I was in the locker room. I had the game on ESPN in the locker room, and I called him on Facetime. I said, "I told you we gonna cut out there and win." So well, they haven't lost in ten years out there on homecoming. Yeah, they weren't happy. Like, they weren't happy. Yeah, they told me the year so. And they're certainly not going to schedule the Monmouth Hawks on homecoming again, I don't think. Yeah, okay. so how are you going to schedule us for the, for the homecoming? Like, y'all, y'all just came to our conference. Y'all supposed to schedule somebody else, not us. <laughs> well, it was an awesome experience. I, can, I You know, honestly, it, w- it was great. The people couldn't be nicer down there. Um, and it was just really awesome. And it was great to see your dad because he was in full effect. And he is every bit of a celebrity at the greatest every homecoming bit. on earth. Every bit. They, they hook his yeah. DJ equipment up to speakers that go throughout the parking lot he's like the grand marshal yeah he was djing the entire party (laughs) and it's the best party you've ever seen it was great he's a man all i hear stories i said as (laughs) soon as i'm done playing football i will be the first one down there (laughs) so uh, i i can wait but i can't wait he, he he um he welcomed us off the buses and then as we were leaving to get back to the airport he was playing us like out of the the parking lot giving coach Kyle <laughs> shout outs uh it, it, everybody was around his like eight parking spots that he has it was it was awesome it was a great experience it was great to see him um and it was great to get a win you know maybe above all yeah no, really I'm glad was. I got before me <laughs> talk talk, talk a little bit about your first touchdown. I mean, I, I was sitting at home kind of flipping through Twitter like I do obsessively, and, and all of a sudden I see it starts popping up. T- take us through the first touchdown, you know, the route, what it felt like, and, and um, just was it like, you know, getting a weight lifted off your shoulders? So uh, first touchdown, we in Winnipeg. They just won a great cup. Uh, my high school teammate, actually, we played – 
rec football together. So one of my close friends I grew up with plays for Winnipeg. Um, and his dad was there. His dad was our coach from right to high school. So to be able to get a touchdown at that moment while my my recreation coach and high school coach basically who taught me how to play football was there, it was, it was a, a fantastic experience. Um, it was like a little, we was on the red zone, and I wasn't in the whole drive. We we, uh, we drove down the field, I wasn't in the whole drive. And we got in the red zone. I was like, I hope they call it. It's like a play we always run. It always works pretty much most of the time. So uh, I ran. It's like a little option route. And I ran outside. And Trevor threw a great ball. And well, only I can get it. And I went up and got it. I just gave gave thanks to the man above. Um, one of my close friends, his mom passed away. It was going to be a week later. So my mom told me, like, whenever you get your first touchdown, make sure you, you shout out, uh, we call it my book. So that was for my book. And my granddad, Pop Pop. So I had to give thanks to them. I know they're watching over me. So it was very special. And I got to give a shout out to, of course, my family, Big Red, Mom, uh, my girlfriend, Destiny, and Nick. So it was, uh, it was great to have that experience. It's, it's Reggie, amazing that – all of those moments, like you said, and who you were able to honor, culminating in that touchdown, that professional touchdown for you. But but it's also all the culmination of your hard work and the journey that took you from Mammoth through some time with NFL teams up into Montreal. So so when you score that touchdown, you know, I, and I know that you're so great about, like you said, honoring those. But but how did it personally feel for you to be able to know, like, yeah, I'm here now. This is my party I have arrived and and then have that great end of the season that you did? Well, I say, well, when I get in there, I'm, I'm going to keep getting in there after I get in there that first time. So next week I score it again, but it was great. I mean, um, people, a lot of people don't know I was on a practice squad. Well, I was a practice squad in New York, and I got cut during the offseason, during the cold years. I set out the whole 2020 and then 2021, January, I signed with Montreal. And uh, I was on a practice squad starting off the year for what? So, uh, seven, eight games, something like that. And now, a lot of people don't know, I was I was really going through it up there. Um, it's not what you think it is, but uh, just staying around positive people, um, you know, talking to my dad and my family, just keeping positivity around. Because it was definitely times I was thinking about just, coming home and just getting the job. But um, when I knew when I got out on that field that I was going to stay out there. So I just had to wait for my turn, wait for my uh, chance to shine. So I knew once I got to got to show my capability that I would be able to keep playing and uh, keep producing. So that was just – that just helped me uh, get through the season, staying positive and knowing that when I get my chance, then I'm going to make it happen. So – you know, Reggie, to, to hear, that's just a, it really is remarkable, your, right, what you went through to get to that point. So speak to kind of, you know, you were able to follow in, in the, the footsteps of, of great Monmouth receivers and, and kind of the, right, the, the first one to break through, right, everyone t- points to Miles Austin. And I know that, you know, you being in that lineage of great Monmouth receivers, but now you're in the position to do your thing 
on the big stage and then to give that advice moving on. How, what's your advice to that next generation as far as you're going to go through those tough times, but if you stay ready all the time, you can take advantage because like you said, there's many people that would have said, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to get into a different career path. It's time to move on. You didn't. You kept following your dream, and it worked out for you. What would you tell those people? Uh, how important is it to do what you did and to stay dedicated to the dream? I just tell them to uh, trust the process. Like My dad always told me, like he tell his football team to trust it. Um, There's going to be times where you're going to have ups and downs. There's going to be times you want to give up. But uh, as long as you keep your head down and keep pushing, you know, your time is going to come. So uh, stay positive, you know, stay around positive people. And um, just keep your head down this work, man. They, your work is going gonna, is gonna to show. So if you keep working hard, you're going to get the outcome that you want. So that's all I got to say to them. Well, I think that's something, whether you're on the football field, it doesn't matter what career you're in, you know, Greg, I think that really is something that, you know, anyone who knows – Reggie and you know it's funny because when you bring up Reggie to people it's not just mammoth football people who a smile comes to their face it's whoever saw him on campus or came across him or saw him on the basketball court shooting around you know in the off season but but you know it's one of the rare times that you bring up a name and a smile and someone has a great story and experience about something that probably didn't even register with Reggie it was just a passing moment sure. but down here it had such an impact on so many people yeah 100 percent, and that's why he was such a go-to for us it's not even just about being a fantastic football player it's about being a fantastic person um so so Reg we're taping this today and it's not going to come out obviously on this day but we're taping it on national signing day um can you just go through the recruiting process and how you ended up at Monmouth who were your coaches that, that recruited Milford Mill um, and, and, and how you ended up here? And that day and the day you signed and that kind of deal? Well, Gallo is the man. That's what I got. I'm going to get that out the way right now. Gallo is the guy. So uh, I probably had what I, one offer. I had an antique offer me on a sign of day. That was so disrespectful. Um, oh, wow. Howard. Howard offered me, uh, that was it. So I just said, Mom, Howard was a late offer. And then I had A&T was just like a, just, he was just going to say we did it, just to say we did it. That's why I really don't like them. So, uh, <laughs> um, Mom, Gallo, Gallo called me every week. Oh, I came to camp. So actually my dad coached in the Big 33 game on a Saturday night. And I think camp was Sunday morning. And we drove from PA to Jersey to the camp. And I did good at the camp. And Gallo said he's gonna call he's gonna call me like tomorrow, next some sometime this week. So uh I came home, I think it was Monday. It had in the summertime because so I was still home. And uh my dad he called me like uh make some breakfast and my mom was at work. Uh I think I think Nick was still home with us. But uh, I'm like, why do you want me to make breakfast? Like, so I he, I made some breakfast, and in the middle of me cooking breakfast, he come in the house like smiling and stuff. And I said, what? What you smiling for? Like, what happened? He said, uh, Mom is called. I said, okay. He's like, offer you a full scholarship, and I just stopped everything I was doing. I was like, wow, I I was lost for words. But that was my first one. I, I've been working on my tail off. I've been going to all these camps. 
and nobody pulled the trigger, but they was the first one to pull the trigger on me. So it was just like a sigh of relief. So um, I talked to Gallo, I talked to Coach Cal, and they confirmed it. And then I went throughout my senior year. I still didn't commit. So I think I committed before my last high school game that week. So I called Gallo. My dad was always, he was always, like, pressuring me, like, what you going to do, what you going to do? But I ha- I didn't have any other offers. So I was like, I'm sick of waiting. I'm about to just commit right now. So he's like, no, you're not. So I called Gallo. I said, Gallo, I'm, I'm ready to be a hawk. And then, you know, Big Red is really emotional, if y'all don't know. Him and <laughs> Nick. Mom, mom is the hard one. She doesn't, she doesn't cry. But Big Red, emotional. So, uh. I think he went to his room and stuff, started tearing up and stuff. But uh, it was like, it was just a sigh of relief, man. I know I was working hard. Um, so many camps, so many road trips uh, between my mom and my dad. And uh, just to be able to go to college for free and know they don't have to pay for it, it was just it was just a blessing. I always thank Gallo and Coach Carroll for giving me the opportunity. And then um, signing day, uh, I think I, we didn't have school. It was a snowstorm. So I had to sign early in the morning. And um, probably like 6 in the morning, woke me up, signed the paper, and faxed it over. And I remember taking a nap. And then you got posted, uh, everybody signing and stuff. So my phone started blowing up with the picture. I was like, yes, yeah, it's official. So I was just excited. You know, called the Fab Four, me, Cody, uh, Kyle Gregory, Marcus Leslie, who's the first four freshmen to come on campus early in summer school. We got a little head start to get with the older guys. So I know I know Sunday I'll never forget that. Sign that paper that morning, faxing it over and then seeing my name on the website and stuff like that. And my teammates sign the people I want to visit with. So I know they're not gonna forget this this day and uh it's gonna be a special day for the rest of their life. And um I'm excited to see the new, the new uh, Signies that uh, has committed at signed. So we got to keep building, you know, Kennesaw guys this year. But we, we definitely going to bounce back. We definitely going to be ready. I know Coach Cal going to have him ready. I got I to gotta get him a card, too, about that. But <laughs> he going to have him ready. So I, I'm excited to see new guys. I'm always excited to see the new guys, the new freshmen, and uh, see what they can do. Now, one of the things – uh, that everybody w- w- was talking about after you had graduated in 2018 after a ridiculous career, first or second in every single category and receiving was, you know, you, you now what? Reggie White Jr. is gone, now what? Well, who's Kenji Bahar going to throw to? And, and lo and behold, not that anybody replaced you, but a couple guys stepped up and turned out to be pretty good. Big time. And, Big and time. Lonnie and TG and Zach Treadway and, and, the, and those guys. And how – you know, how excited were you to see those guys succeed? Because I, if I know one thing about you, I know you're always, you're, you're happy to see other guys succeed just as much as you are when you get into the end zone. Yeah, just like you said, uh, I'll probably get more excited seeing my teammates succeeding when I score. So, uh, see those guys, especially Lonnie, TG, you know, dude, I hosted both of them. Joey as well. Um, Treadway, my guy. So, Asante from Baltimore. So seeing all those guys succeed, it's just, it's just, uh, I just feel like, like, I left my mark. Like, they wanted to continue doing what I was doing and building off what I was doing. 
And uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to win a championship there, but those guys got the championship. So then when the championship, I felt like I, I was a part of that. So I kind of got the joy of uh, you guys winning the championship when I left. So uh, seeing TG, Lonnie, I already knew. I already knew they was going they was going to do what they had to do. Uh, Treadway, Treadway was always balling in practice. Joey, I knew he was a guy. So they always worked hard. They always uh, kept their head down. You know, they didn't say too much, but I knew when their time was coming, they was going to show off. So it was it was very exciting seeing them guys uh, putting up those big time numbers on our left, and not only just one person, but everybody. So I think that was good. Well, and it's great to hear Reggie that that answer and what you say because I think a lot of people should realize that that you don't get to the Mammoth Championship back-to-back Big South seasons without the breakthrough that you and your classmates go through really in 2017 to, to break through, to get that initial FCS playoff berth. And that really introduced the nation and FCS to Mammoth football. And I'm happy, and I, I know Greg feels the same way, that you guys have that kind of pride to building this program because those last couple championships – the foundation for that is set with you and your teammates that saw it through and that did that. So it makes us, you know, kind of brought a smile to our face when you said that. And we're so happy that you and your classmates feel that way. Yeah, man. I love, I love my class, man. Uh, all those guys, special guys, it was a special group of guys. I think we did have one of the best class to come through there and we did set that foundation. So, it just keeps getting better. Everything's been getting better since I left. So I'm, I'm kind of a little jealous, but I'm a little happy at the same time. But uh, I just want to see the, the program just, just keep building. I know Cal's going to keep uh, keep pushing, keep doing what he has to do to uh, make us the best program. So uh, I'm excited for the future of the program. i got to come up there. I haven't been up there in about two years. So i am definitely got to plan a trip to come up there for a weekend or a week or something, maybe catch a basketball game. Because we know we play at the same time, so I got I definitely come up there. Well, you know, you're always it goes without saying, always welcome up up here, and just just let us know so we'll be able to steal you and and be able to to catch up with you then. And before we let you go, you know, we love to find out information about our guests that we don't know, and I think it's important for listeners to to find out you know a little bit more about about. Reggie, the person, you know, we know Reggie wearing the helmet and scoring touchdowns. So I'm going to hit you with, with two questions, Reggie, and, and Greg and I are, are very curious about these. So the the first one that we need, really you, and you could take this any way you want. What's the one thing, Reggie, that people don't know about you? What's the one thing people don't know about Reggie White Jr.? The one thing people don't know, um, I have OCD. I, I like things a certain way, especially around the house, like uh, like when I do laundry and stuff like that, or when I'm just cleaning up the house. I like to have stuff a certain way. So I fold my clothes a certain way. I put them up in a certain certain format. So yeah, I think I got a little OCD. A little OCD, and we know you have a new house. Congratulations on that. So yeah, I appreciate be, it. There'll be plenty of opportunity for you to get things the way you want it. <laughs> Although um, I'm sure your girlfriend will have something to say about that too. Yeah, she she's adjusting to it, so 
He'll be fine. <laughs> All right. In our last part, what is one special talent you have that maybe people don't know? One special talent? Uh, I like to dance. Well, people do know me. You know I like to dance. So if you don't know me, you should know I like to dance. Uh, actually, on my second touchdown at CFL, I did a little dance. That was for the hometown back in Baltimore. So I know they enjoyed it back home. So I had to put on. But, uh, yeah. Are, are you the dance. best dancer you know? Yeah, definitely. I've seen uh, Nick get down. I like me. I've seen yeah, Nick, Nick get down. Nick, Nick, uh, he actually added me on Twitter when I scored and said, um, he still danced better than me, but I really told him everything <laughs> he knows. So he gets it from me. And I, I think I get it from my mom. Mom, she's like a sneaky dancer. No, nobody really knows she could dance. You know, Big Red, she just he just got like a little two step tone. You got a bop. He don't really move around too much, a little bop. But my mom, she can get down. If you if you know her, then you know she can get down. I imagine there's going to be plenty of dancing on the cruise to the Bahamas next week. Oh yeah, it's going to be plenty of dancing. Uh, Big Red, I can't wait to see what he does on the cruise because he loves the water. Loves the water, and um. I know he's gonna be excited. He's going to Nassau, Bahamas. We're gonna we got three stops: Nassau, Half Moon Cay. It was supposed to be Grand Turks, but I think they changed it to this island called Bimini. So we should see how that is. But everybody's excited. I still haven't packed yet. Um, I'm actually going to uh, Miami tomorrow. We leave for Miami, so I'm going to Miami early. I was staying with Money Money Mark. Oh, Money Mark. Mark I so, thought he was uh, up here going. last. I heard. Yeah, he's in Jersey now, but he flies down a detective tomorrow or something? morning. We fly tomorrow night, so we're going to stay with him. And he's actually going on the cruise, too, so shout out to Marcus Leslie. I know he'll like that. He, he's the man, and that that's awesome. He is one of those Fab <laughs> Four that you mentioned, and he is a f- tremendous student athlete, and I think he's in law enforcement yeah. in North Jersey now, right? Yeah, he's the man. Well, Reg, we really do appreciate you making this first episode even more special by joining us. And, and we got you right in the nick of time, right before a well-deserved vacation. So so I know all of us you know, here at Monmouth wish you nothing but the best of luck and continuing to do your thing in the professional ranks. And enjoy a well-deserved vacation, Reggie. We really appreciate you joining us. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate y'all for having me. I, I feel special. First episode. Number one, we had to come out with a bang, and we got it. Yeah, we, we got yep. our our wide receiver number one joining us here. Reggie, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Love y'all guys, man. We're recording. Uh, it's so great to catch up not only with Reggie but with Jeff Stapleton, Greg. And episode one, I, I think, you know, maybe went a little long-winded. I'll take the blame for that one. But I think it's it's good to come out with such great guests, be able to tell these stories you know, Reggie and Jeff, so great to be able to catch up with them. And, you know, one Hawk talk in the books. I'm happy about one. Can't wait for number two already. Yeah, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a great opportunity to to really showcase Monmouth University as a whole. And like we said, alums, and, and you'll be able to listen to this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, all of those great places. We go, We want you to subscribe, rate, and review, and make sure that you don't miss an episode of Hawk Talk going to have a lot of fun doing these weekly. We're going to be able to not only promote them, but release them uh, across a variety of our social media outlets as well. Uh, you know all the accounts, but we'll run them down again on Twitter, at Mammoth Hawks, the full name, at Mammoth Hawks on Twitter. Uh, obviously, Instagram, more of a visual medium, but at MU Hawks on Instagram and Mammoth University Athletics on Facebook as well. 
uh, you know it'll be promoted by our personal accounts as well. Sure. One and only, at one and only Greg V on Twitter. That's all you need to find. And uh, Eddie O, I know you have a new, kind of a new handle. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I thought. Tweaked it. Tweaked it a little bit. Thought. I like, you know, obviously the, the long last name with the O, you need O in there, but had to change up the last few letters, so ha- had to change it to at Eddie on air because... You're on air. 90% of my life, I feel, and he, my wife gets mad at me because I use announcer voice at home. <laughs> and she says, you're not, there's not a microphone in front of you, we're having dinner. Please remember <laughs> Screaming that. Across Screaming across the table. across the table. So at Eddie on air, at one and only Greg V. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. It already was a lot of fun. Can't wait for guests next week and in, in the coming weeks. Please engage with us on social media as well. When these come out, we want to hear from you as well. So make sure if you have a suggestion for a guest, maybe there's an alum you want to hear from, make sure you throw it on whatever social media channel it is. But Greg, uh, have to thank you for, for getting this off the ground and all the legwork that you did to set us up to get to this point. Really excited to be a part of the project and excited to see where we take this. Yeah, definitely. And um, can't wait for number two. Number two will be right around the corner. Episode one in the books. For Greg, I'm Eddie. We appreciate you checking out our first episode of Hawk Talk. Much more coming your way across all of our Mama Digital Network channels. Talk to you soon, everyone. This has been a production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.